So last week, uh, we talked about the story of Jericho, uh, and we just dove right into the text because we had a lot of ground to cover. Guess what? Same thing this week. We got a lot of ground to cover, and so we're going to dive right into the text here in just a moment. Uh, I want to let you know what we've been doing around here. We uh, started a series a few weeks ago called Victory, and this series is all about how God can give us victory in our lives, in the battles that we face. Uh, we saw a couple weeks ago how uh, in the battles that we face that God gives the victory so that God gets the what? Anybody? Glory. God gives the victory so that God gets the glory. And we want to glorify him with all that we are. We want to glorify God uh, with everything that we've got and, and give him the glory in our lives. Because God so richly deserves all the praise and all the glory. Amen? Amen. All right. So, uh Today we're going to continue with this series with another story from the Old Testament. We've looked at a few stories from the Old Testament where God won victory for his people, the Israelites. Today uh, is, is no exception. We're going to look at our last story from the Old Testament in this series. And then next week we're going to start with some New Testament passages that talk about how God gives us victory as Christians in our lives. Uh, and then after that we're going to do a series, a little series called Oh Be Careful. And it's about what we put into our hearts and into our minds and into our souls and how those those things come out of us. So we need to be careful what we put into our lives because what we put in is what's going to come out. And so we're going to talk about that for four weeks in the month of March. And then it's going to be time for, for Palm Sunday and Easter. We're going to do something for that, uh, as we always do. Uh, some cool things for, for Palm Sunday and Easter, including our Easter extravaganza coming up in a few, in about a month, a month and a half. So we got all kinds of great stuff happening. And then uh, after that, we're going to start uh, into a series on the book of Acts. And we're going to cover all 28 chapters of the book of Acts in 28 weeks. We're going to uh, fly right through that toward the end of the year. And that'll be Christmas time again. Can you believe it? Christmas here already. Wow. But for today, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you brought a Bible... Grab your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel 17. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It is on page 227 of that Bible, uh, or you can follow along in the GFCC app. If you haven't gotten the app yet, go to your uh, smartphone or your, cell, uh, your uh, tablet and uh, go to your app store and search for GFCC, and you can download the app from, uh, from your app store. Um, so uh, let me set the scene for you a little bit about what's going on in 1 Samuel 17. Um, the Israelites had left Egypt. They were, uh, they, uh, were kicked out of Egypt. Uh, God set them free from slavery in Egypt. They went to the promised land. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They ended up at the promised land of Canaan. And so they get to the promised land of Canaan, and God tells the people to completely vanquish and destroy all the peoples living in Canaan. The problem is the Israelites didn't do that. They, they didn't conquer all the peoples. And because they didn't do that, the people groups who lived there were a thorn in their side for centuries. And so they didn't do what God told them to do. They didn't fully obey God. And there's a lesson there, my friends, that if you want more peace in your life, if you want more victory in your life, you got to obey God. You got to do what he tells you to do fully. And don't do the things he tells you not to do. Do the things he tells you to do. And, and we don't obey God to try and earn our, our, earn our salvation. We obey God because we love him. And we want to please him. We want to put a smile on his face, as my friend Mike Ryan always said. I want to put a smile on God's face. You want to put a smile on God's face? You want to please God? Obey God. And obey him fully. Read your word. Read the word. Read the Bible. And do what it says. 
and in your life you will experience more uh, peace, you'll experience more blessing, uh, you'll experience more of God's favor, more of God's love, more of God's grace. You'll experience these things because you'll recognize them. You will see how God is moving in your life when you obey him. So obey God's word and things will be better for you. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be still going to be days when you mess up. Still going to be days when you don't obey or when you disobey. And, and I'm telling you, and, and, and your life will be better if you obey God's word. Okay? So uh, the Israelites did not obey God's word. They did not do what God told them to do. And therefore, the people groups living in Canaan were a thorn in their side for centuries. That brings us to the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were an ancient people group who sailed across the Aegean Sea and got to Canaan uh, about 1,200 years before the birth of Christ. So about 1,200 B.C., the Philistines land in what was going to be the Israelites' promised land. And the Philistines had five capital cities, one of which was Gath. And from Gath was a giant named Goliath. And we're going to talk about that today. How many of you are familiar with the story of David and Goliath? Quite a few hands. Okay, we're done. That's it. Oh, wait, no, there's still like four of you who don't know the story. So we're going to, you got, the rest of you have to sit through it today. So, but, um, so uh, the story of David and Goliath takes place in 1 Samuel 17. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, so again, pull out your Bible and uh, get ready to go. We're going to cover this kind of quickly, uh, but there's a lot of ground to cover, a lot of scripture to read. And then we're going to talk about how God uh, can help overcome the giants in our lives. So we're going to start in verse four of chapter 17. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath. Again, that's one of those five capital cities of the Philistines. He came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, six cubits and a span, right? That's, that's like what, uh, four feet tall? No, no, that's not four feet tall. He was actually probably in today's uh, measurements, nine feet, nine inches tall. Not, I know, right? Nine feet, nine inches tall. That's three inches shy of a basketball hoop. How many of you have ever played basketball? Yeah, three inches shy of a basketball hoop. Like he didn't even have to jump. It's like to dunk. He just, you know, like me. Anyway, um, no, no, no. You don't want to see that. Uh, but so Goliath is nine feet, nine inches tall. He is huge. He is a giant of a man. Keep going. Verse 5, he had a bronze helmet on his head, and bronze is a very heavy metal. It's, it's heavy. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. I know you're thinking, man, 5,000 shekels, that's got to be what, 15 pounds? Try 125 pounds. A, a coat of bronze armor weighing 125 pounds. I can barely lift a gallon of milk. And this guy's got 125 pounds of armor on his torso. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves. And a bronze javelin was slung on his back. So he's covered in bronze. Heavy metal. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, a thick piece of wood. And its iron point weighed 600 shekels. That's 15 pounds. The, the point on his spear weighed 15 pounds. An Olympic shot put weighs 16 pounds. And think about the times you've watched the Olympics in the track and field when a, a shot putter goes to, to thrust the, the shot put up. And, and I mean, how much energy it takes and force it takes to, to throw a shot put like 40, 50 feet. And this guy's got a shot put on the end of a spear that he can chuck forever. He is huge. 
He's monstrous. He's a giant. I mean, he is a big, bad dude. Baddest man in the whole darn town. <laughs> right? Something like that. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Let me tell you who Saul is. We're introduced to Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. And the people, uh, before uh, this battle happens, the people had gone to Samuel, who was the high priest, and they asked Samuel for a king. Now, God told the people that he was going to be their king. That they didn't need an earthly king to lead them into battle. But the people insisted that Samuel appoint a king over them. And this broke God's heart. It broke Samuel's heart. Samuel's like, why do they want a king? And God says, don't let it break your heart, Samuel. It's not you they have rejected. It's me. So the people rejected God as their king. And they wanted an earthly king. So Samuel anoints Saul to be the king of Israel. Choose a man and have him come down to me. So in those days, sometimes they would solve battles by having a one-on-one -on -one, uh, fight. So you've got Goliath and nobody. Because nobody wants to fight Goliath. And can you blame them? Like going up against Arnold Schwarzenheimer. Yeah, I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. So, verse 9. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him... You will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Then we are introduced to a young boy named David. In verses 12 through 19, we were introduced to David. David was a shepherd. He was the youngest son of a man named Jesse. Jesse had several sons three of whom, his oldest sons, went off to war with Saul. Now, David, the youngest, was at home tending the sheep for his father, Jesse. Now, David was a little guy, just a pipsqueak, 98-pound 90, weakling, wet behind the ears, okay? He's just a young teenage boy, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit of squeaky voice kind of thing like Peter Brady. Um, Y'all remember the Brady? I mean, when it's time to change, you got to rearrange. Um, so... David is just a young boy. And so David says to, uh, Je Jesse says to his son David, hey, I want you to go take some provisions to your brothers in the front lines. So David does that. He does what Jesse tells him to do. Look at verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out, as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines uh, were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So David... Here's what this, is, this Philistine has been saying to the armies of Israel. And David isn't happy about it. All right? And so David wants to know, well, if somebody kills this Philistine, what's going to happen? Look at verse 25. Now, the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. 
The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Now that sounds like a pretty good deal. Verse 26. David asked the man, the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine or removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Do you hear David's faith? Do you hear David's love for God? Who is this bozo over here who is defying the armies of our God? Verse 27. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now David's brothers are angry. How many of you have an annoying little brother? Anybody? Or how many of you are the annoying little brother? Some of you are. Um, so David, you know, is asking questions like an annoying little brother does. Hey, what's going to happen to the guy who kills? You know, it's like, and his brothers are all angry with him. Like, dude, just go away. Who do you think you are? You're so conceited. You're so full of yourself. You, just go away. David's not going to go away. Verse 32. David said to Saul, so Saul sends for David because David's asking questions. Saul sends for David. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. The entire army full of chickens. And then you got this little shepherd boy who shows up and says, I'll go fight him. Saul replied, verse 33, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and has, he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear, oh my, came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried to walking around because he was not used to them. How many of you, when you were little, like put on your, your dad's suit coat or you, you put on a, your mom's dress or you put on a pair of their shoes, like your high heels or whatever, and you tried walking around the house, you know, and you... You know, you try to be an adult, try to be a grown-up. That's what I picture David looking like in this story. Like, he's got this big, heavy armor on. He's just trying to waddle around. And, and he's like, this is what he says. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. So he's got a shepherd's staff. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. So... He picks out five stones. And I was talking to our associate pastor, Brandon, last night. Man, I really, I really just wonder, why did David choose five stones? He only needed one. There's just one Goliath. Well, later in 2 Samuel, we read that Goliath had four brothers. Each, each of them were huge. And so he's like, I got five stones, one for each of you. I'm going to take you down. I'll take you all down if I have to. Verse uh, 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. So here he comes. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. Makes you wonder if David wrote this story. <laughs> and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? He's talking about the shepherd's staff. And in those days, you would beat wild dogs with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And, and the, the primary god of the Philistines was Dagon. 
Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Now, David is toast. David said to the Philistine, verse 45, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Big words, little guy. But again, the one behind David wasn't the armies of Israel. It was the God of the armies of Israel. Verse 48. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I love David's gumption. He's like, I'm I'm taking this guy down. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And then David runs over, grabs Goliath's sword, and cuts off his head, just like he said he would. I tell you, the story's amazing. Um, Just so you know, in those days, uh, really good slingers uh, with slingshots, uh, they could uh, sling a stone at 100 miles per hour. The best of them could, 100 miles, you get hit with anything at 100 miles an hour right in the forehead, and it is going to knock you out. And that's what they think happened, that the stone went right in his forehead. Uh, and the only area of his body that wasn't covered in bronze was right here. And the stone went in his forehead, knocked him unconscious, fell down, and David ran over, took advantage of the moment, and cut his head off. And, and that definitely, you know, killed Goliath. Um, but it's just an amazing story of faith in the face of fear. You got the entire Israelite army shaking in their boots in fear at, at this giant, this one single guy, and, and they got they don't even realize they forget all the fact that God is on their side, and that God was with them, and that God was going to defeat this giant, and it took the faith of a little shepherd boy to run out there. And take the giant down. Now my friends. You're going to face some giants in your life this week. You're going to face some giants. And I I want to talk to some of you about the giants you may face this week. Teenagers. I know there's some of you guys in the room. Teenagers, you may face giants of of bullying. You may face giants of, of being bullied at school. Or bullied in your neighborhood or bullied at home. Teenagers, you may face giants that look like bad grades, and, and you feel like a failure, and that giant just, just mocking you and making fun of you, making you feel like you're, you don't measure up. Young adults, you know, you may face different giants in your life, giants of financial fear. You know, you got student loan debt, you got credit card debt, you got a car payment, you have a, a mortgage or, or, or rent. And there's a lot of financial fear going on in your life. Or you may face a giant that, uh, of loneliness. You're single and you don't want to be. And you feel that giant of loneliness. Young parents. Young parents of young kids. You may face a giant of fear when it comes to feeling like a failure as a parent. 
I just can't get it right. I feel like my kids are, I'm screwing up my kids. Or maybe it's, it's the fear of, of, of the future, uh, the financial future. You get to the end of the month and there's more month than there's money. And you just, you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Or maybe you're my age, around my age, middle age. You know, I know I don't look it, but you know. You, but maybe you're around my age and, and you're thinking, man, I, I got to start planning for retirement. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be retired. I'm going to be on this stage when I'm 90. I'm telling you right now. And you're like, no, you're not. No. But maybe you're facing the fear of the future. Or maybe you're facing some health care, health scares. You know, you're in your 30s, you're in your 40s, you're in your 50s. And all of a sudden things are starting to get a little different, a little weird, a little scary when it comes to your health. And that's scary. It's a giant of fear right in front of you. Or maybe you're retired or you're getting ready to retire. And you don't know if your pension and Social Security and retirement savings are going to be enough to last you. Or maybe you're dealing with aging parents and your parents are getting up there and it's kind of getting scary. And, or maybe you're dealing with the passing of your spouse or passing of a child and, and you feel so lonely. These are all giants that you may be facing in your life. And there are others too. And those giants are terrifying. And they're scary. And you don't know if you can win the battle. I want to tell you this. The giants you face are bigger than you. But they're not bigger than the God inside of you. The giants you face are bigger than you. But they're not bigger than your God. Your God is bigger than those giants. And your God can give you victory against those giants in your life. Giants of fear. Giants of self-doubt. Giants of self-loathing. Giants of worry, giants of doubt. Your God defeats giants. Your God takes giants down. You know, the giants that you face will, will mock you. They will make fun of you. Uh, they will ridicule you. And they will make you feel like you're two inches tall. But the giants that mock you are no match for the God who defends you. The giants who mock you are no match for the God who defends you. God is your defender. God is your shield. God is your rock. God is that stone. And God is the one who can defeat the giants. Don't listen to the voices of the giants. Listen to the God who defends you. Whatever giant you're facing, don't listen to that giant. Try and strike fear into your heart. Listen to the God who lives in your heart. And will give you victory. Because your God will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. Because he cares for you. And he loves you. And he proved his love for you. By sending his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins and mine. He proved his love for you. And he wants to spend forever with you. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ by believing in him turning away from your sins and repenting of them, confessing your faith and getting baptized, God will wash away your sins. He will cleanse you from all your sins. He will purify you. He will transform your life in the best way possible. 
Yep, your God can change everything. And your God takes down giants. He is your defender. He is your shield. He is your stone. You know, it, a lot of times we feel weak. We don't feel very confident. We don't feel very sure. We're afraid. We're full of fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. So confidently stand in the victory he provides. In his victory over the giants. Confidently stand. That's what David was able to do. David had no fear. Because he knew that God was with him. And that God would be the one who gave him the victory. That's exactly what God did. So the giants you face this week. When you face those giants, you hear those voices calling out to you. When you hear those voices mocking you and, and you feel so small and you feel afraid and you're worried and you're full of fear and doubt. And like I said, self-loathing and self-doubt. When you feel those, when you hear those giants come calling and you see the giant in front of you and you're terrified. Remember, your God can give you victory over the giants. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to God. So stand confidently in his victory over the giants. The giants are no match for your God. No matter what that giant looks like, 10 feet tall, 100 feet tall, 1,000 feet tall, it takes a single stone to bring him down. Let that stone be your faith this week so that when you face those giants, whatever those giants may be, that you know that your God can give you victory. We're going to face giants this week, my friends. Maybe not this week, but maybe next. A giant is going to be standing across from you. And you may quake in your boots a little bit. You may be trembling with fear. In that moment, call on your God. The God who will defend you and who will take down the giants. And he will give you victory.